Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Well, again, thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Or should we say Mornings without Carmen, without Peter? Oh, you got Paul. Paul Pro. I'm filling in today through Friday as Carmen is uh, probably right now flying toward Denver, Colorado for a conference she's going to be part of. So you'll have me the next few days. And okay, I'm just getting off of COVID isolation. I was on vacation, back for a few days here at Faith Radio only to get COVID and uh, spend some time away. So yesterday, finally, you know, after isolation, what do you have to do? You got to go shopping, get all the stuff that you need because you used up so much. And so I went to the local Walmart and um, I didn't get a lot. I still spent $93.45 yesterday on some basic staples. Okay, a few things weren't, but nothing major. It's amazing. Prices are up so much so that, and I saw this in the New York Post, where there's some stores in New York because of inflation, if you want to get a can of spam, that can of spam is going to be in a security box. <laughs> yeah. And tuna and other things like that. Now, mind you, in the same store, you can get some, what is it, uh, Amy's, you know, it's one of the high-end soups out there. That's not in the box. That's a, like a $5 can of soup, but a, a $2, $3 can of spam Bill's laughing. A $3 can of Spam is in a security box. That's how bad it is because they're dealing with theft due to that. Meanwhile, high-income shoppers are starting to shop more and more at Dollar Tree, Dollar Store, Dollar General. Actually, when I saw that headline, I wasn't totally freaked out by that, Bill. Because, okay, back in 2008 when I moved up to Fargo... Uh, to work at our sa- our faith station up there, Faith 1200 at that time, and then also Life 97.9. The first couple of months I was there, I was staying with a family, and the guy was a rich guy. He owns a uh, large company. Um, he would he was a millionaire. He was very generous. Beautiful house, by the way. And when they went shopping, you noticed Walmart bags when they came home. Yeah, it's like they know the value of a buck. Yeah, they so do. so anyway, that didn't surprise me too much. But still, a lot of people are going high end shoppers at dollar dollar stores. Yeah, I can see it. I can mm-hmm. see it. And okay, a little good news. Maybe you've noticed this too. Gas prices, Bill, have been going down slowly yes. but surely. Mm-hmm. I was out uh, yesterday and noticing some of the gas prices down under four dollars here in the Twin Cities. National mm-hmm. average four sixteen. Yeah. It's coming down. It's coming down. That's that's really good news right there. It is. It is. So still, as uh, we'll talk in just a bit, Bill, about the inflationary times we're in, yeah. How you had some good tips, and we'll go through them, about managing your cash, cash management during these inflationary times. So we'll get to that in about one minute here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. 
Well, again, mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Paul filling in and Bill English from Bible and Business in studio. Usually we have you on your uh, from your <clears throat> podcast studio in the basement of studio of your house. Of my house, yeah. But you know what I thought? Uh, by the way, thanks for le- helping me get that set up uh, for COVID, right? We, that's, when, that's when we did that. But love coming into studio from time to time, and it's good to see you. Uh, it's probably been, what, at least six, eight months since I've been in here. It's got to be about that. Yeah. got to be about that. Hey, thanks yeah. for coming in. Good seeing yeah. you in person. Good to see you. Um, and <laughs> I still get a chuckle out of you chuckling about the spam issue here. <laughs> but then you pointed out something in the break. You know, we protect what we prize, you know, yeah. what we value, what we tre- treasure. Yeah, we lock up what we treasure. Mm-hmm. And if we don't lock it up, uh, maybe they treasure spam over soup. Uh, I guess so. Either that or maybe spam is so scarce, as some people think it should be, and other people <laughs> other people wonder why other people don't love it, you know? So I don't know. Uh, I, I actually like, I haven't had spam in a long time, but I don't mind it. I actually like a good spam sandwich. Isn't that made down in Austin? Yes, it is. Austin, Austin Minnesota. Minnesota? It's, uh, yep, yeah. by the George A. Hormel Company. Yes. Don't yes. say Hormel. Oh, if really? People know it as Hormel, but if you go to Austin, Minnesota, I lived there for a few months going to school at the at the at that time, the Votech down there. This was back in 84, 85, and I, people look at you mean if you say, oh, Hormel. What? It's the George A. Hormel Company. Hormel. Hormel is how the family pronounced it. It just, when it went public, people started saying Hormel. They didn't argue that as a corporate thing, but don't you dare in Austin where they they know George really? Hormel's and his family, yes. He, really? I, yeah. First time I've heard that, I've always called it Hormel. Yeah, so. well, everybody does. <laughs> because I, but then again, I grew up in Carmel, Indiana. So, well, know, not Hormel. Carmel. I, so it would depend on the slang of, of, the, <laughs> of the Hoosier speaking it, but yeah, Car- right. Carmel or Carmel, so... Okay, let's get to the topic here, yeah. which is, okay, we are living in inflationary times. Inflation has been high, almost a 40-year high. Yeah. We haven't had it like this in a long time. And this goes beyond even just the uh, shrinkflation that we talked about some years ago where, you know, you, you, what used to be a quart of this is now only 14 ounces or something. You know, stuff, that, that's that kind of inflation. But now we're in inflation, inflation, we have that, so... In your mind, what are some of the best practices, if you wish, of cash management during these inflationary times? You start out talking about think cash to cash. What does that mean? Yeah, so <clears throat> just just to set this up a little bit, uh, the there's different ways to there's different types of advice that could be given on how people should manage their their budgets and what they should do during mm-hmm. inflationary periods. I chose to focus on cash this morning. And so cash to cash means how, what's the time differential between when cash goes out the door and when cash comes in the door to replace the cash that went out, out the, the door. door. Okay. Now, in business terms, <clears throat> we when, when you're turning around a company, and of course that's what we do at the, at the firm that I'm a partner at, um, when we look at inventory, we think about cash to cash. How long between the time I buy the inventory product until I can sell it and get my cash back? So what's the time differential there? But that principle, cash to cash, also works for uh, households too. So what we like to say is that when times are uncertain, when uh, things are not going the way they should be, most people aren't losing their jobs right now. Most people... If if you want a job, you can find one. It's not hard to find one today. Um, but 
it, during uncertain times, you want to look at when is cash going out the door and when is the cash coming back in to replenish that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was talking about there with cash to cash. And so you want to make sure that time is as short, short. as possible. Or even overlapped. If I can get the cash in before I have to put it out, that's even better. Mm-hmm. That is even better. Okay, then you talk about cutting spending. Yeah. Now, what are you're kind of going? Well, I'm only not spending, you know, all that much right now. Really, people could probably do a little in looking at what they are spending money on. You know, usually it's it's not a a silver bullet. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's usually maybe twelve, fifteen decisions, and it's five dollars here, it's fifty dollars there. For example, I just ended my. Um, a premium subscription in LinkedIn, which was sixty bucks a month. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's yeah, a lot. but you, but you get a lot of in mails, and you get to connect with people that you don't know in ways that you can't if you're not a premium subscriber. True. And in my business, connecting with people is is a big deal. But I thought I, you know, I, I thought I'm going to take maybe five, four, five, six months off and just see what the experience is like. So I entered the subscription. There's sixty bucks. I'm not putting out every month now. Now, you multiply that by 10 decisions like that, and now we're talking $600 a month. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after a while, it becomes real money. I keep was, when I saw that, I was thinking, okay, how many of us have subscriptions to all these uh, streaming services that I rarely touch? I mean, okay, one is a bundle where I have Disney and Hulu, but it's like... Jessica and I rarely watch that. If anything, yeah, actually, my wife looked at me the other night and said, "Would you please end our? Um, I want to say our Paramount subscription. Mm-hmm. It's four dollars a month or five dollars a month, but it's those kinds of those those kinds of decisions. If you make ten, fifteen, twenty of them, uh, it actually really adds up. It does. Yeah. We're talking with Bill English from Bible and Business. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, oh. Bill generously brought in a bunch of his books, what is uh, called Biblical Wisdom. For business leaders, 30 sayings from Proverbs, and um, a generous supply that we'd like to get into your hands, at least maybe one copy. We'll do a drawing. So, as always, text the word book to 877-933-2484 if you'd like a copy of Bill English's Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders. Thank you, Bill, for providing that. Oh, you're welcome. All right. And when we come back, we'll continue looking at other cash management ideas during these inflationary times. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm Paul filling in. Glad to have you with me. And, of course, in studio with me, Bill English from Bible and Business, who generously gave us a stack of these Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders books. If you'd like to win a copy, 
Get in on the drawing right now. Text the word book, just those four letters, B-O-O-K, to 877-933-2484. As we continue talking, Bill, about cash management during these inflationary times, we talked about making sure your cash-to-cash in-out is tight. Right, um, right, right. Talked about cutting things like <clears throat> subscriptions, things you don't need. Uh, you know, maybe it's a magazine you don't even read. Well, get rid of the subscription. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you don't need it. Okay. You don't need it. We talked about cutting expenses, and right. now we're talking about don't cut. Tithing. Tithing. Yeah. Do not stop giving to the Lord. Because, yeah. look, because cause generosity towards God is a reflection of what's in your heart, right? Matthew and other places talk about, you know, show me where you spend your money, and I'll show, I'll show you what you love. And so a person who genuinely loves God is going to have a generous heart towards him. And so um, keeping up that tithing, not giving into the fear of uncertainty, mm. but having a deep trust in God and saying, I'm going to continue to give to you, God, because I trust you and I love you, uh, represents the right heart attitude. Uh, Any time we cut back on our tithing from God or our giving or generosity, depends on you know your theology and how you how you word that. Um, that means we're moving away from the Lord. So uh, Christians who are listening this morning who don't tithe, who aren't generous because you say you don't have enough money, my advice to you is start giving to God, and you will see God supply your need uh, as as uh, as he has promised to do. So keep, keep giving, keep being generous, keep tithing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that takes us back to our share of the... Our Grow Your Faith verse that is today, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not mm-hmm. on your own understanding, have yes. that humility, in all your ways, acknowledge, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. It's applying that in this very setting. In, in this very setting, yeah. Um, I, I am totally convinced that generosity is the key to so many problems in our churches and in our nonprofit ministries that it's difficult to overstate the importance of Christians becoming generous towards God. Mm. Okay, let's move to the next recommendation you have, and this one shocked me. <laughs> this one shocked You said even if you have extra cash, just make the minimum payments on your debt unless the debt is an is a line that you can access cash if needed. Right. Okay, so, explain this. Because I, I've been brought up, okay, you you have a credit card, you have the money to pay off the credit card, pay it off. Yeah, credit cards pay off. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's like a line of credit. Gotcha. Okay, okay. that's where I was kind of going. But if you've got, let's let's say your car payment is 400 bucks a month and you've got, you know, 1200 sitting there. Mm-hmm. Just pay the 400 because you might need the other 800 for something else, something unforeseen. Don't pay the twelve hundred on the card because you can't get that money back once you once you pay it off. Yeah, you've lowered your debt, mm-hmm. but that's not good cash management during uncertain times. I promise you, having done turnarounds of several businesses, this is how we do it. When we get extra cash in the door, unless it's a line of credit where we know we can reaccess that cash if we need it, there we we, we only make the minimum payments on debt. We live for another day. We just live for another day. That's one of our mottos. Let the world spin. Live for another day, and uh, over time, the debt uh, goes away. So you're, you're spreading out. You're separating <clears throat> out things like line of credit, credit card stuff like that. Yeah. From car loans, home loans, uh, stuff like that. Correct. Look, I know. I know that the conventional wisdom is, you know, make another, you know, three hundred dollars a month on your on your mortgage so that you can get it paid off in 17 years instead of 30 or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the numbers come out to be. 
during time and, and during normal times, I'm fine with that. But during times of uncertainty where, where you don't know what's happening with cash and the value of each dollar is going down, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to hoard cash. I mean that in the uh, the non-biblical sense. I'm going to hoard cash, only put out what I have to put out, and I'm going to retain the rest. That makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Then you talk about, if necessary, if at all possible, do not take out more debt. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. So, um, now look, if your refrigerator goes out and you got to go to Best Buy to get another one... you got to do it. you got to do it, right. But if... Um, if you really want Viking season tickets, for example, and and you don't need them, but you really want them, don't do it. Don't pay the money to get the seat licenses and the tickets and all that. Of course, many people listening here would wonder why anybody would want Viking tickets to begin with. But, you know, when you're a Vikings fan and you give your heart and soul to them every year just so that they can break it, then, then, then you'll understand. But, hey, real quickly, uh, one yeah. of our friends, Becky, texted in, we gave Bill's book... To our good friends who own their own business, they like the practical application of biblical principles to or for their business. Thank you so oh, much, Bill. Oh, good. Thank so, you, I mean, Becky. That, I wonder if that was the uh, not the biblical wisdom. Maybe it was that or your th- Christian theology of business ownership. I don't know. I would yeah, have, to ask, say, Becky. We'd Becky, have to ask Becky. Becky, do you know which book? Which book did you give to your friends? We'd like to know. But, and hopefully you also texted in for a chance to win the Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders book that we're giving away uh, right now here on Faith Radio and Mornings with Carmen. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. You mentioned something, you know, when you're, if you have to buy something, maybe you have to get that refrigerator. Right. There's also oftentimes options. There are. There are, there are used options, right? There are scratch and dent options, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, sure. I'm not saying don't don't leverage don't don't not take advantage of those. Mm-hmm. Just be careful and in, in, right. be very careful in the debt. So my son looked at me and said, "Dad, maybe I need to take a semester or a year off of college and just work and earn up the money." And I know, look, I know the radio station I'm on right now, but is it wise to keep taking on debt during uncertain times? Maybe you do take a semester off. Maybe you don't buy that house right away. Maybe you, you hit the pause button. You know, you hit the pause button on the spending. Okay. And, of course, you, I, I thought I saw in your notes here, you were talking about sometimes you can get certain places, you buy a refrigerator, they'll give you interest-free for so six many months. months. Or six months. Yeah, six months. Whatever cash. Yeah, yeah, leverage those if you can't, so you're at least not paying interest. Okay, exactly, yeah. exactly. I guess bottom line, bottom line for us in the last, you know, couple of minutes here, um, when it comes to managing cash. When it comes to managing cash, you have to think about cash coming in when cash goes out. It's a timing issue. Mm-hmm. It really, it, and it's a different way to think about budget management. Most people think about, you know, I have these payments and I have these things that I need to save for and I need to stay the course in order to work my plan. I'm saying during times of uncertainty like this, when the value of each dollar is going down and you, not you personally, Paul, but others may, uh, have some real uncertainty in their lives, it's best to kind of set those plans aside for a few months or maybe a half a year and just focus on managing cash, keeping cash in your pocket as much as possible. Yeah, because eventually this inflation will... It will. It'll go. Eventually. It'll come down and you can return to your uh, normal routines with with money management. Look, one one last thing. Yeah. I, I know we're up against the clock. 58% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. including 30% of those who earn over a quarter million dollars a year. 
So this is a real problem, cash to cash. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of why I highlighted it this morning. Okay. <laughs> it's not just that thing about half of people making over half a million also living paycheck. That just <laughs> blows my mind. You always spend to your level. Oh, that's right? part of the problem. It, it's the rare person who doesn't spend to their level and stays lives at a level below what they could afford, mainly so that they can give to the Lord. So. Mm. Bill, thanks again for joining us. You and bet. again, if you'd like to win a copy of Bill's book, Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders, we have a generous stack of them. So, yeah, text in the word book to 877-933-2484. Up next, Breakpoint, here on Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen. Well, good morning again. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen on Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Okay, um, maybe you were struck by the news a few days ago, actually almost over a week ago, that the Klondike Ice Cream Company, they were discontinuing the Choco Taco to the dismay of so many. I mean, there was a business leader, a, 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 a guy said, I'll buy it from you so we continue, continue. Klondike said no. There was a senator who was saying that they should have legislation to force Klondike to continue. <laughs> that, that's a no-go as well. However, if you are really wanting your Choco Taco, here's all you need to do. I found this out because I got the email last night. For, I, I subscribe to allrecipes.com, and they sent out a recipe so you can make your own Choco Taco. Wow. Yeah. Are if, you going to do it? That's what I want to know. You know, I've actually <laughs> never had a Choco Taco. It's, oh, it's basically, okay. it's just a waffle cone in taco form. Yeah, and I would say an actual, you know, ice cream shop with an actual waffle cone where they put ice cream in in front of you is better, but I won't I won't go there. Oh, I will not argue <laughs> that in the sure. least. I've become a bit of an ice cream snob over the last few years, but anyway. As we continue here on Mornings with Carmen, okay, we, we talked last hour with Mark Terman from the Denison Forum about Gen Z and, you know, the people who are now 10 to 25 years old. One thing we didn't get into there that I hope we can deal with in the next few minutes with uh, author Sarah Cohen Cohen Johnson is discipling our youth. Because, okay, this is a shocking number that there's a 50% chance, a flip of a coin, that even though you're raising your kids within a good Christian church, they're getting all, you know, they've been going to Sunday school, they've been going to Awana, and they're getting all that. Does that mean... That's all that can be done, because otherwise, 50% of them, once they leave the home, oftentimes end up leaving the faith. What can we do? We'll talk about that coming up in about three minutes here on Faith Radio. Thank you again for listening to Mornings with Carmen. Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot filling in. Thank you for listening. So glad to have you with me. Maybe you've, you know the pain. Maybe you know a family who, they're in your church. They raise their kids faithfully. They were at church almost every Sunday, every Wednesday, anytime the church door was open. And then as their kids became adults, they left and never came back. Maybe you've experienced that in your own family and you're kind of going, what's happening? Yeah, it's happening more and more. More of our younger people 
leaving the faith. And there's reasons behind that, and there, I think there's hope. And that's why I'm so glad to have with us um, right now Sarah Cowan Johnson. Uh, Sarah is uh, an executive pastor at Sanctuary Church in Providence, Rhode Island. She's, uh, t- she leads seminars for parents on family discipleship to help their kids walk with Jesus, and also the author of Teach Your Children Well, a step-by-step guide to family discipleship. Sarah, hey, thank you for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be on with you. Okay, when I open the book, you start out with the bad news. I, I, okay, we have to start with the bad news before, so we can appreciate <laughs> the good news. Okay. Give us the bad news. That- yeah, the bad news, I mean, you said it. It's um, that 50% of kids who are actively involved in their churches, so these are what I call youth group kids. These are mm-hmm. not just kind of church kids. 50% of those kids walk away from their faith after graduation. And as a mom, you know, as a, as a pastor, as a ministry leader, that, uh, that statistic really, really distressed me um, when I first came across that. And I think it probably distresses many of us. I hope it does, you know. Your mom, how uh, old are your kids? My kids are 12 and 8. I have two boys. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> family discipleship's important to you. And okay, as I mentioned, you live in, uh, in Rhode Island. You're Providence, in Providence yes. Rhode Island. Yep. And you mentioned it in the book. And so I went and pulled up the sheet about the um, most secular cities in America or yeah. most post-Christian. You're number yep. three. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and to yep. me, to me, it's like, okay, I look at the top 10 list and the top eight are all New England, which yep. by the way, <laughs> number 10, uh, no, number, number 11 is Madison, Wisconsin, which where you have a faith radio station in. Um, the Twin Cities, our home ship, we're 48, so we're doing a little better at this point. Okay, yeah. But things are changing. Things are changing yeah. quickly. And, and you had an insightful idea about why the, these places, which, by the way, New, New England used to be a hotbed of Christianity, the Puritans, you had the Great Awakening right. and all this other stuff, right. and now it's blah. Why? Right. right. Well... So up until about 20 years ago, um, when you think about culture in relation to the gospel, there really were only two different types of cultures in the world. There were what you might call sort of non-Christian or pre-Christian culture where the gospel really has not ever made much of a widespread kind of impact. And then you would have what we would call Christendom, which are cultures that at one point the gospel really did um, influence broadly the culture. And so, um, many cultures in the West would be, um, considered Christendom and yeah, New England of the past was uh, a Christian culture. But, um, in the last 20 years, we've seen for the first time, um, the emergence of a third type of culture, which scholars call post-Christian culture. And really post-Christian culture is a reaction to Christendom. And so the way that you can think about it is um, similar to the way a vaccine works in a funny way. So a vaccine typically works by you expose your body to a a virus, a weakened form of the virus so that your body learns how to defend itself against that virus. And with post-Christian culture, the culture has been exposed to the gospel, typically a weakened form of the gospel enough that it has the tools to defend itself against um, Christianity um, and the gospel. And so really it's a reaction to Christendom. And so the culture that we're raising our children in is very different from, no matter how old we are, Mm -hmm. uh, the culture that we 
grew up in and, and maybe came to faith in. So it's very different. The it landscape is. is different. Yeah. Okay. That's the bad news. Yeah. <laughs> but there's good news. And you, yeah. you, you get into that in the book, but you have the proviso if we choose to accept it. Yes. Sarah, what's the good news? Yeah. So the good news is that there actually is one thing when we look at that 50% statistic that makes a drastic difference in that statistic. And it's not what you might think. It's not church attendance, though that's essential. Um, It's not the influence of pastors or church staff, though they are incredibly important. The thing that makes a difference in that 50% statistic is the influence of parents So parents are the number one predictor of a child's spirituality throughout their lifetime. In other words, you as a parent have more influence over whether or not your child will follow Jesus as an adult than any other factor in their life. And what's even better news is that the parental behavior that makes the most kind of biggest difference is very simple. It's parents who talk about and practice their faith in the home And 82% of kids whose parents do that go on to follow Jesus as adults, practice and talk about their faith in the home. And so the, if you choose to accept it piece is, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of caveats here where, yeah, our kids are, um, there's no guarantees in this journey, right? Our kids are not robots. We can't program them to sort of manufacture like perfect little disciples, Um, there are no guarantees. And yet we are invited much the same way Mary was invited to participate with the Holy spirit in important work, right. Um, in saying yes to her calling to bear, um, the savior, uh, we have an invitation as parents to say yes to partnering with the Holy spirit and the work he wants to do in our kids. Okay. And one thing that jumped out at me, and I don't know if you thought of these phrases, but oftentimes we are looking for the transactional guarantee. If we right. do this, then <laughs> right. this. Right. You're not offering that. You're no. offering you're offering <laughs> something that is relational and dare I say organic. I, that mind keeps pop, word keeps popping into my mind. Yeah. yeah, I mean, really, the model that I talk about and look to in Scripture is from Deuteronomy yeah. six, um, where you know Israel has been in the desert and wandering for forty years, and they're about to enter the promised land. And there's some threats to their faith in the promised land. You know, first of all, they will have everything they need. And in the desert, they really had to depend on God for everything very directly. And they were able to see that. But also they're entering, you know, they've been in a monocultural context. They're about to enter a land where there are many different cultures worshiping many different gods. And so there's this sense like what happens if Israel forgets God in the promised land. And so the strategy there from Deuteronomy six is this it's um, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is uh, Deuteronomy six, verse five, and then continuing these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And so for me, that is the strategy that I believe God is wanting to implement again is activate the parents. The strategy here is not set up religious schools to educate our kids. It's activate the parents to talk about um, God's way, God's laws, God's truth um, in the home, in the midst of everyday life. Mm. 
So again, you're going right to scripture there. A lot of people, when they do that phrase, you just, you know, from Deuteronomy, they stop, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all. There's mm-hmm. some stuff after that. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is supposed to be an organic community, family type thing. From, yeah. th- that's God's plan from the beginning. That's right. All right. That's right. We're talking with Sarah to, uh, Cowan. Cowan, John- yes, Sarah Johnson. Cowan Johnson. I, I don't. I keep wanting to say Cowan. That's not right. Sarah <laughs> Cowan Johnson, again, author of "Teach Your Children Well." Oh, if you're wondering, yes, we do have copies of the book to give away. So, if you're interested in winning a copy, get on in the drawing by texting the word "book" right now to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Okay, we're going to get a little more practical in the next segment here as we talk with Sarah about things including doing a family time audit. So we'll continue talking about, again, Teach Your Children Well with Sarah Cohen-Johnson here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio, and maybe you're kind of new to Faith Radio, been listening a while, and uh, thinking about, you know, you want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Well, we have some friends who want to help you out. They're friends from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Text the uh, word peace, I think it is, right? Peace. I think there's a couple of them. I know yeah. faith will work as well. Faith will work also well, if you yeah, text the word but faith. Text to uh, 41224, if I remember That's right. correct, yes. Yeah. So text that, and they will get in touch with you if you want to navigate that whole issue. Now, right now, maybe you're navigating with us parenting and family discipleship. Sarah uh, Cowan Johnson is our guest right now here on Faith Radio on Mornings with Carmen She's the author of the book, Teach Your Children Well, A Step-by-Step Guide to Family Discipleship. And again, yes, we do have copies, so text the word book to 877-933-2484 to get in on the drawing. And Sarah, one of the things, as you, after the good, bad news and the good news, you get to the practical, which, thank you, we need that. Last hour, we were talking with Mark Terman. And he was looking at the millennial, or pardon me, the Gen Z generation, and the fact that many of them, especially as teenagers and younger, they're spending a lot of time with their parents, just not in active, really organic, you know, not active relationship. They're just usually off in their room on their device. Yep. This, this is where I think your chapter talking about family time audits is so important. Explain that. Yeah, so... Um, just, I think one of the challenges that parents often feel when it comes to family discipleship is 
um, just a lack of time, right? When, when will I have time to add in something else to our already busy life? But the reality is like what you're saying, there's a lot uh, of kind of passive family time that we have. So for example, um, car rides to school, to soccer practice, um, dinner times, often families, um, you know, have established a routine around dinner or give little ones. Um, often bedtime is a, a time where everyone's sort of together. And so um, what I encourage families to do is to um, look through their weekly schedule and um, to think about, you know, um, what are those passive times each day um, where you could take even three to five minutes to repurpose time that you already have for intentional discipleship. And so it really just takes a little bit of um, investigation into your schedule and then a little bit of intentionality to take a car ride, um, you know, to soccer practice from being just sort of a, a task you got to do on your to-do list to a moment where you could actually engage your kids in a spiritual conversation or spiritual practice. Mm. Okay. And then once you figure out those times, doing the active discipling, of, yeah. of your your family now okay define discipleship in this regard because a lot of people it's right it sounds like okay that's <laughs> sunday school no it's not right. no no i would say discipleship a simple definition that i use is just helping and when we talk about you know our kids discipling our kids helping our kids to walk the way of jesus so it's really um yeah i think there's an instinct in us we we tend to want to turn our kids over to the professionals in every other sphere of life right if they need help with math. We get them a math tutor. If we want them to get good at piano, we find a good pianist who can give them lessons. Right. And so there is this instinct in us when it comes to discipleship, that sounds like a professional word. And so we want to turn them over to the church professionals when actually discipleship is simply following the way of Jesus. And uh, we can do that together. And you absolutely do not need to be a professional (laughs) to help your child to learn to walk the way of Jesus. And so yeah, um, practically what that looks like, I, there's two different types of discipleship that I talk about, but um, one is the kind of intentionality to think through what are some simple spiritual practices that I can do that are age appropriate for mm-hmm. my kids. And then the other one is recognizing when God is trying to get their attention. And those are things I call yes. God moments. Oh, and yeah. I wanted you. That's what I wanted you to get into, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, the whole idea of responsive discipleship, because... Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you explain it. It's so cool. Go ahead. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. So a lot of times when we think about discipleship, we think of the things that are in our control. We, you know, think, oh, I'm going to plan at this time to uh, read the Bible with my child. And that's wonderful. And I do talk a lot about that in the book. But one thing we have to remember is that God is the initiator of relationship and God loves our kids more than we do. And God wants relationship with them more than we do. And um, God is knocking always at the door of their hearts. And so there are moments that we can't plan for that can become discipleship moments because they're moments that only God has planned for. And what I mean by that are um, there are moments in our parenting where we'll have an opportunity to um, have a discipleship moment in the midst of life that we didn't plan for. So it could be a spiritual question from a child. It could be an experience of fear or pain. Um, it could be an experience of joy mm-hmm. or, um, you know, but something where we're aware, Oh, God is trying to get 
my attention or my child's attention. And so we have a choice to turn aside and to recognize God's presence in that moment and help our child interact with God. And that really takes us, we need to have our eyes up looking, don't we? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, we have to learn how to identify God's activity um, in our everyday life. Oh, so good. Sarah Cohen Johnson is our guest. Again, the book, Teach Your Children Well, a step-by-step guide to family discipleship. And uh, yes, we are giving away copies. So text the word book to 877-933-2484 to get in on the drawing of a handful of copies we have. I want to, in the final few moments here, Sarah, I want to turn in a different way. I want you to put on your counselor, your your pastoral hat here. Because there are, as I started off talking about our segment, there are families who they thought they did a good job. Right. Yeah. And their kids still turned away. Absolutely. Uh, now, maybe they're beating themselves up. I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. Mm-hmm. And there's that. But can you give any words of hope to these yeah. parents? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, again, like I said, um, <laughs> there's not, there are no guarantees in this journey. We cannot, by our own efforts, produce perfect little disciples. So parents who are feeling anything that resembles shame, that's not from the Lord. Um, But also it's never, there is no one who is beyond the reach of um, our Lord's love and embrace. And um, there is, it's never too late. And so, yeah, if you are a parent who is experiencing the pain of watching your child walk away, um, don't give up hope continue to entrust them to God because they have always belonged to God and Mm -hmm. uh, continue to pray and um, ask your father because he loves you and he loves them. I appreciate that because I know a lot of people who have that very situation and keep praying, keep praying. So, and just keep loving too. Keep loving them. That's why. Sarah, thank you for joining us again. Teach your children. Oh, you're welcome. Teach your children well. The name of the book. Again, we have copies we're giving away, so get in the drawing. 877 933 2484. Sarah, again, thank you, and thanks for being part of our time this morning here on Faith Radio. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. This is Mornings with Carmen. Ah, yes, baseball, America's pastime, saying goodbye to a great, if you haven't heard yet, Vin Scully, longtime broadcaster, iconic voice of the L.A. Dodgers, and he did that for uh, 67 years, if I'm reading right here, and then even before that, he was doing broadcasting for about eight years. I I could talk, but I know, Ryan, (laughs) you could talk. Because, you know, you're a broadcast kind of guy and a radio yeah. uh, sports kind of guy. And- yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he was the broadcaster for the Brooklyn Dodgers formerly before they moved to Los Angeles. And oftentimes when people think of the Brooklyn Dodgers, who do you think of? Jackie Robinson, at least right. that's who I think of and the pioneer that he was for the game. But no, I mean, he's an icon in so many different reasons and not just for what he did on the mic, but for how people gravitated towards him and the longevity that mm-hmm. we really have not seen anywhere else really in baseball history and rarely even in the history of sports broadcasting. So he'll definitely be missed. And, you know, I didn't obviously grow up listening to him, but then when I did, you know, start listening to more baseball and watching on TV, listening on the radio, it's tough to do to transition between all that and do it 
way well. back when Jackie was playing, mm-hmm. and then to call Hank Aaron's record-breaking home run and go back to the days <laughs> where Sandy Koufax was dominating the Minnesota Twins all the way to near present day where he's on TV in Los Angeles. So gone but definitely not forgotten, Vince and, and a great guy, and I believe a brother in the Lord. Yes, yes, I believe so. Yes. So that is, well, thank you again, uh, Vin, for your service. Hey, real quickly, all right, if maybe you're trying to help somebody navigate faith and they have questions have them text the word faith that's the word i was looking for faith to 41224 again we have friends who want to help you out hey thanks again for listening to mornings with carmen on faith radio catch you tomorrow thanks for listening to this podcast of mornings with carmen laburge from faith radio if you haven't you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through itunes or the google play music app that way you never miss an episode it's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com